0: Whenever you are looking at things to listen to on a computer, you are being led by your eyes. You're looking at little thumbnail pictures and you're looking at all these different visual and textual representations. And that's fine. I mean, it's a great way of organizing information. But you can light up an entirely different part of your brain by being led by your ears.
1: This is Radio Survival, the sound of strong communities. My name is Eric Klein, and on today's show, we talk transmission arts, sound arts, art for the radio, with media artist, educator, and maker of things, Zach Poff.
0: When it came down to the wire, we kind of took a look at their budget, and we realized that they had a budget for the bartenders, but they didn't have a budget for the artists. And so in the end, we offered to bartend so that they could pay us.
1: We're joined on the line by Zach Poff, media artist, uh, educator at Cooper Union Art School uh, in the sound art medium, and uh, and a guest today on Radio Survivor. Zach Poff, thank you for joining us today.
0: Thank you for having me, Eric.
1: And Zach, let's just start right away with Pond Radio. It's such a fun, it's a good place to start. What is this Pond Radio?
0: Sure. So there's a... Right now, sitting on top of a pond in upstate New York, there is a, what I would consider to be a sculpture, which is a little solar-powered aluminum construction floating on the surface of the pond. And it has a couple cables that come out of it and go down under the water with some homemade hydrophones, which are underwater microphones. And it's beaming a signal for whatever sound that's, that's under that, that water. It's beaming that signal over to a building which belongs to an arts organization called Wave Farm. And Wave Farm asked me to come install this on their property. And it then goes up onto the web as a live stream. And it's also available on their website. So essentially during all the daylight hours of every day, 365 days a year, uh, if you wanted to see here, that is, what it sounds like uh, in these hidden areas under the water, then you could tune in to that that stream.
1: Ah, uh, why not nighttime pond radio?
0: Well, that's a that's a tough one because it needs some power to run, and it's um, somewhat far away from buildings with power in them. The whole thing is this self-contained solar-powered system. So at night, it runs for a couple hours. It has a battery in it that'll keep it cooking, uh, and then it, it just shuts off for the night, and I have wow. a little kind of interval signal that I've recorded that just loops all night mm-hmm. when it's turned off.
1: That's wonderful. Well, I like I really enjoyed listening to the sound of pond radio for the little bit that I dipped in, and now I will not be able to sleep at night wondering what midnight sounds like inside of this pond.
0: Well, you, you know, the, the, the I'll, I'll let you in on a top secret. Um, part of the construction of this thing was based on uh, an amazing live streaming event called Reve R-E-V-E-I-L, that happens every year on International Dawn Chorus Day, hmm. uh, which is, I think it's the first day of May or maybe it's the end of April. And it's a day when um, this group of people uh, in the UK... Uh, under a uh, under the umbrella of an organization called Sound Tent, they set up live streamers all over the world who stream the sounds of whatever uh, is happening outside mm-hmm. at at the at dawn. And it's designed to sort of raise awareness of that dawn chorus, which is the, the name for that moment right before it starts to get bright in the morning when all the animals, namely birds, are starting to be the most vocal. Uh, and so what they do is they, they crossfade these live streams to make a 24-hour continuous stream of daylight sounds. So they have live streams pretty much representing every time zone across the entire Earth. And so when this piece was first made, when Pond Station was first built, it debuted on that morning Wow! a couple of years ago. Uh, but the problem is the sun isn't up enough to make it run. So I can actually force it to turn on even in the dark. So if you and me ever actually get together over there, <laughs> we can we can throw the magic switch and we can hear what it sounds like at midnight mm. underneath mm. of a pond.
2: Mm. Mm.
1: Mm. I just imagine there's more frogs, but who knows? Maybe frogs sleep. Too. Probably. <laughs> uh, and it's it, the your microphones for Pond Station are underwater, so it's not you wouldn't hear the frogs out in the air. You'd have to hear what yeah. what's going on underwater.
0: And they and I've heard bullfrogs underwater through Pond Station, <gasps> oh, and wow. it's fascinating. It sounds almost like a purring sound because without any kind of acoustic. You know echoing like if you think about the classic croak of a bullfrog, you kind of imagine it echoing out across a pond. But if you could you know stick a microphone right on the bullfrog, you would probably hear it more like a a sort of dense purring noise. so it's it's really it's a crazy sound. I didn't even I didn't understand what I was hearing the first time I, I listened to it.
1: That's great. Tell me again how to hear international dawn chorus. i'm I I'm a, I think I heard you say it's streaming on the internet all the time.
0: Sort of, yeah. So that at sound, soundtent.org, uh, as in like going out in a tent and recording sounds, that's where these artists have brought together this event that happens every year called Reve. And they have archives of that stuff
1: online. That's great. I'll have a link in the show notes to that because, um, be, just for me, just so I can remember where to go to listen to the Dawn Chorus. Okay, so you've, you've put a sculpture into a pond... That can web stream for half of the day, the daylight hours, the sound of underwater microphones uh, picking up this pond. Uh, I I guess I want to ask, how did it get done? Like, you know, did you? Is this all your idea?
0: Uh, Yeah, I mean, it's it's uh, it began actually a couple of years earlier when I had a residency with my, uh, a collaborator that I work with named Nate Aldrich. And him and I were there at Wave Farm as resident artists because they do a, a resident artist series every summer. Um, they have a, a ton of different people coming through and Wave Farm is dedicated to what they're calling transmission arts, which includes radio art um, in all of its many forms. Yeah. And a lot of live performative sound stuff that involves transmission of some kind. And so we had, we had proposed to make a little FM transmitter with hydrophones on it, which originally was just like a bamboo pole stuck in the middle of a pond with some hydrophones and a solar panel and a little like car MP3 transmitter with a long antenna on it. And so that worked. And it really, it blew us away with the kind of sounds that it made. But you had to be standing within maybe 50 feet of the thing to really understand it. Um, so for that piece, we had envisioned people kind of thinking of this as, as a very local resource where you could stand on the edge of the pond and you could see, you know, one of the things that always surprises me is you see this very glassy, calm surface of the water on a day with where everything just looks silent and sounds silent out in the air, but there's actually all kinds of stuff going on under the water. And so we wanted people to be able to share in that. So we had this FM transmitter idea and it, it worked out but it wasn't uh it just didn't quite have the reach that we wanted and so Wayfarm approached me to think about a more permanent way to do it and mm-hmm. they have a, a couple of um i i uh, like long-term installations on their property from a couple of different artists and so they invited me essentially commissioned it to to come into being and they've been very helpful and i go up every you know a couple times a year to kind of fix it up and clean it off and there's there's been all kinds of drama recently because beavers have moved in around there. Oh, and they chewed through the hydrophone cables. They did all kinds of damage.
1: Good for them. That's amazing. Yeah,
0: I, you, they're very industrious. Did, was there?
1: <laughs> did you happen to capture the sound of beavers destroying your pond station?
0: I wish. Okay. No. No. Nighttime. I, I, huh? I, Nighttime work. <laughs> yeah, they really are. They're they're pretty nocturnal little beasts.
1: Wow. Well, you fixed it. And uh, gosh, so if people want to hear the sound of the Pond Station, what's the best way to to go about that?
0: Um, Well, you can come through my website, which is uh, zachpoff.com, Z-A-C-H-P-O-F-F. And there's a link to Pond Station in the category called artwork. So the, the website has artwork on it. It has software that I've made because um, a lot of the work that I do, some of the pieces we'll talk about today uh, are are really created in real time by software systems like custom software. Yeah. Um, and then there's some resources on my website that are essentially like technical resources like you know how to take an old uh, 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 DigiDesign M-Box from back in the day that doesn't work anymore and you can turn it into a mic preamp by soldering a couple things here and there, what do things you, like that. The,
1: what device did you just hack? The M box. The M.
0: The, yeah the the Pro Tools M box.
1: I have no, I'm I'm not familiar with the device. Can, oh, yeah. can you spell it's, it? Because I'm having trouble. It sounds like M all words. as
0: M as in Mary. Okay. Box an M box. So, yeah, the M box is is um is or was the the cheapest entry into the, Digidesign you know Avid Pro Tools world. If you don't have um, dedicated outboard hardware, so it's it was like a USB interface.
1: Okay, so it's like an early um, aughts way to make sound art on your computer.
0: Yes. Okay. Cool. And uh, and, and, and you can and, now hack
1: uh, it to do what? What again?
0: Well, to make it into a standalone mic preamp, if you um, you know, like essentially because of the way the software works, the the hardware became obsolete for no good reason, just the software. updated to the point where it wouldn't work anymore and so now you've got this thing that cost hundreds of dollars and it's a decent mic preamp and so i i figured out how to basically turn the power on to the mic circuits without having it attached to a computer so if you have like a you know usb battery box or something you know like a power bank um, you can have this thing and add a couple channels to your mixer if you don't have enough preamps on your mixer
1: I get it. And so theres it's a piece of equipment that was once extremely fancy and then became a useless brick because the software wasn't being updated and you went ahead and uh, updated the software, as it were.
0: Yeah. I, <laughs> or, I, or not even I, updated. you. Uh, I, I decoupled it from its need. I, I cured it of its need for software.
1: Yeah, I like that. Well, that's online at zackpoff.com. And I, I want to know more about WaveFarm and the kind of work that they make possible. They're, so you, you describe them as a transmission arts organization, which is a nice way of uh, talking about, I think, uh, making art with radio technology, but also not limiting yourself to radio broadcast culture. Is that a good way to try to unwind yes. the knot?
0: Absolutely. Yeah. They're, they're, um, they're much more eloquent than I am when they speak about this, but I'll give it a shot. Uh, The the general idea is that they're, they're supporting artists who are working with the airwaves in one form or another. Mm -hmm. So that could be very performative things like um, things that are, I think a lot of people would consider on the spectrum toward music. Um, It could be things like Pond Station that they commissioned that I built, which is a very open system that has no explicitly musical or performative aspect to it, but it, it depends on radio. I mean, it literally depends on radio because it it has like a, uh, uh, an analog radio feed that gets the sound from the pond into their building. But at that point, that signal can then go out on their web stream. They put it on their air pretty often. So they'll be just doing, they'll be talking to people and they'll just throw up the sound of the pond in their, in their FM broadcast. Um, so they they support all kinds of stuff. Um, physical installations like mine, performative things, um, projects that involve research about radio. Um, they work uh, with the community through their radio station, their FM station called WGXC, uh, which is an amazing resource. So th- they both have a community radio station that's, it's sort of like, it, it works the way you would expect of a community radio station. They're there's a, a a local guy who does all Irish music on a certain night of the week. There's some some um, young uh, young folks who do an amazing kind of like Dungeons and Dragons type of uh, like all this sort of news and, and events. And mm. they're talking about the like role-playing gaming community. Yeah. And rock and roll music and soul and like news, everything. I, and they... I, I tuned
1: in uh, an afternoon here out on the West Coast. So I was listening to the... Um... To I think what was a drive time program out at uh, WGXC, and it was a, like a hip hop and a community high school sports show. <laughs> and I don't yeah. know if that's how they originally sold it, but the the DJs, the community DJs that were that were spinning hip hop records, were also clearly deeply involved in the high school and middle school sports community uh, there. And so, so it was both. It was both, and that that made me really happy.
0: Yeah. Well, and another thing that they're getting into more and more these days, which is super important, given all the media mergers that have been um, allowed recently by the FCC, is they're trying to really get community involvement in local news, because essentially they will, you know, their skeleton crew of people will be the only folks at uh, board meetings and town council meetings and things like this. Because there's no papers anymore. There's no local papers to yeah. cover it. And no broadcast
1: and that, radio journalism, I guess, going on there.
0: Exactly. Yeah. Sinclair or somebody is not going to send someone down to like the dog catcher's office, you know, on a Sunday afternoon to cover some kind of event. But but those things are super important to the people who actually live there. And so one of the things GXC has been doing recently is um, they just redid their mobile app and they're trying to create this sort of bi directional broadcasting flow so that just by having their mobile app you can connect with them and once you get the sort of permission worked out they're having people live stream events Uh where it's like just put your phone on the podium at the town hall meeting and just let us soak that thing up and we'll archive it on our on our site well that's or put it directly on the air in some cases that's
1: really exciting well we're talking about the uh, radio station wgxc um, which is an FM station in the Hudson Valley of upstate New York, uh, because it is linked to Wave Farm, which is a transmission arts organization. All of this uh, comes about because Radio Survivor is now being broadcast on WGXE. So I was uh, had the pleasure of poking around on their websites, and that's where I discovered uh, Zach Poff's work, That's who we're speaking with today on Radio Survivor. Zach Poff is a media artist. He's an educator at the Cooper Union Art School um, where he teaches sound art there in Brooklyn, New York. And uh, obviously the thing that is uh, the sexiest thing to talk about that Zach Poff has built is this uh, floating sculpture that broadcasts the sound of uh, an underwater soundscape of the pond next to Wave Farm. uh, Zach Poff, what else have you built with Wave Farm's help?
0: Um, well, uh, one of the things that, that, uh, that got me connected to them a couple of years ago in the very beginning, uh, I was working on a piece um, which was called Radio Silence, which I installed uh, with their, their help in Brooklyn because of a fellowship in, uh, I think it was 2008. Um, and that piece ended up turning into something else, which is called Video Silence. <laughs> and uh, Video Silence is a software system that basically watches TV. And in the process of watching TV, it edits out everything that's loud. (sighs) Everything that has a conventional volume is is edited out. And so what it does is it builds about a minute of all of these virtual silences, all of these quiet moments that happen, let's say, in between dialogue, uh, in between words of dialogue, in between sentences. Um, during fade-outs and fade-ins yeah. when commercials are coming up and coming down. And so it just sits there all day long. It has a, it's a, it's a, like a little computer and then a, a TV tuner box that are kind of connected to each other. And it's just sitting there soaking up these things and then it archives all of them. So if you let it run for a couple of days, you'll have hundreds of these little one-minute loops that are just... The in betweens. And I, I was interested in doing this originally because um, I was thinking a lot about the idea of dead air, both in, in TV and in radio, and the how um, sort of transgressive it is to have any kind of dead air. Like, yeah. You know, moment, moments of silence are, you know, legally important. <laughs> uh, and that turned into this interest in like, well, what what if I built this thing that only had ears for silence? What if I built this thing that only had ears for silence and just completely ignored all of the things that are conventionally content rich in terms of sound and what's that content that's in between the content you know what are the things that are going to bubble up uh in the sort of seams and sutures in between the more obvious uh, sort of textual dialogue that we're used to
2: yep work
0: you're the um, and one of the things that it taught me in the end, that I was not exactly expecting coming into it, was how different each format of uh, television is with in, in respect to how it approaches sound. Right. So, you know, so if you have like dramatic TV that's shot sort of like a single camera film would be shot, they often allow long periods of silence because those are these sort of dwell times where something visual is sort of arresting on the screen and you ha- in order to soak it in, they give you a couple beats of, you know, t- very low background music or silence. Um, but then you go to, like, another channel, and it's got a sitcom on it, and there's never silence because of laugh tracks. Yeah. You know, laugh tracks are always filling in. Every breath is filled with some kind of very pumped, compressed, loud sound. Um, and so in shows like that, it might take the thing 20 minutes To accrue a minute worth of silence. Yeah, where where does the
1: silence come on a sitcom?
0: It it comes in these unbelievably pedestrian moments, uh, a stage crossing. Right. It's 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 the kind of thing where you know I I sometimes I think of this as a tool that like screenwriters or directors would use in in a very different way than I intended it to be used. You know, like like how um you see coaches huddling over slow motion (laughs) replays and stuff. You know, it's like if your script needs tightening. Sure. Uh, this will show you <laughs> wow. all the things that you could have removed to make it more efficient and probably fit more commercials in.
1: And then, what about cable news? Are they ever quiet ever?
0: No, no. It's only it, you. Pretty much only get uh, little mistakes. You know, when someone's looking the wrong way and they have to like skip a beat and address the camera again. Huh. It's th- those kind of moments.
2: And
1: so, Zach Poff, this is a uh, this is a piece of software you wrote called that the, the, the artwork is called video silence and people can see the result on your website, Zachpoff.com. And is it I don't understand. Is it um so it makes archives and is every archive being posted on the internet or is it a live stream?
0: No, in the the documentation that you see on the website is just sort of a best of yeah of the a couple times when I have had it exhibited so it it's not something that uses like a a web stream as its source or anything it's it's um like currently it's not in existence right now like it, if yeah. if i got a show where i was going to put it up then i'd put it up okay and then i'd I'd run it for however long the show is and i'd kind of harvest those clips and, and update the documentation
1: i can't i can't just uh tune in to video silence I know though. maybe
0: that's, two, that's
1: 2.0 right that's cool so yeah you'd have to plug it in. you have to turn it on to, to exactly. appreciate it, so someone if someone is listening and they have this um, desire to see it turned on, they're gonna have to reach out to you directly, and uh,
0: absolutely hire me. Yeah, exactly. Take me over to your exhibition space, and I'll happily install it.
1: Well, that's a that's a good as transition as any a segue to the idea of um, uh, what Wave Farm is doing. Where it, when it pays you to create this work, uh, I, w- I wonder if you can talk a little bit about like. Like what that represents, like for you as a sound artist.
0: Oh yeah, well it's so sound art is one of those fields, and and I, I don't work exclusively in sound art. I do a lot of other stuff, including video, like right. we've been talking about media art. Um, yeah, um, it's it's one of those fields that is not um, perfectly adapted to selling things, which is fine by me. Uh, I I kind of feel very um, ambivalent about any sort of engagement with the economics of the art world.
1: Sure. Well, I mean, Um, I would go, I would just jump in and say that like video silence is like a good representation of all of the times where they're failing to sell something good. Like it's the only moment that they're not making money off of.
0: Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's sort of, you know, it's like the, all those stories about people, you know, time compressing talk shows in order to fit a couple more seconds of ad time into it. Um, but so one of the things that's lovely about Wave Farm is that they have these uh, residencies and commissions and they're also working all the time with um, New York State Council for the Arts. So they're like a re-granting organization. So they, um, they, they are one of the conduits through which people can receive state money for doing artwork. And as such, they are really, really valuable, even just for that function, regardless of, of the direct art making that they, that they support. They're also sort of on this secondary and tertiary level, very interested in, in paying people to do amazing things. And I got to say, for the kind of work that I do, I mean, I've been in situations where, you know, me and a collaborator of mine had, a, had a, an opening that represented months and months of work. And throughout the negotiations at the gallery where this was presented, they just kept getting farther and farther from any promises of actually paying us. And it, when it came down to the wire, we kind of took a look at their budget and we realized that they had a budget for the bartenders, but they didn't have a budget for the artists. And so in the end, we offered to bartend so that they could pay us, uh, which that's sort of the, the the state of things as a as a working artist, you know um and luckily for me i mean i love teaching so uh, a lot of my art is sort of inherently pedagogical in one way or another yeah. so um i i enjoy being someone who who both works with young people who are on a journey like i am and also is on i also am on my own journey so i don't see a particular friction there between uh, making my own work and and sharing my skills and my expertise and and my time with others and and so that's you know that's how you get paid uh but wave farm also you know they support workshops and all kinds of amazing stuff so when they get resident artists in um it's a it's a great opportunity for people who live there because some of these artists are coming uh, from nearby places, like I am, I'm, I'm only two, two about two hours away from there. And some of them are coming from Europe. Some of them are performers who are touring, and they're kind of stopping there to do a residency where they're working on work that will then turn into another whole, you know, a, a sort of like line of inquiry. Uh, and they're. They're one of the the few folks out there who are really kind of going to bat for us and supporting us.
1: Yeah, that's really wonderful. We're talking about Wave Farm, which is a transmission arts organization that has uh, that is intimately linked with the radio station WGXC, which is an FM radio station in the Hudson Valley of the Upstate New York area. And we're on the line with Zach Poff, who is a media artist and educator. And Zach has worked with Wave Farm to create uh, to create artwork that is uh, transmission arts related. and So tell me about uh, Sun Dialogues, which we haven't gotten to yet.
0: Sure. Uh, And I'll interject one other tiny thing. If you happen to be listening to this on WGXC, which is theoretically possible, um, remember (laughs) becoming a member of this is as easy as donating money to them and supporting the cause that you're hearing about right now. Uh, Anyway... Sun Dialogues is another thing that I, another opportunity that I had um, via WaveFarm. They partnered with a radio station in Vienna called Kunstradio or Art Radio, and they were programming a series. I think it was five months long, and every month there there would be a different um, one hour long time slot dedicated to a radio art piece that involved climate or weather. Is very very open-ended and there are a number of Im- amazing responses to this and so I was I was uh, one of the artists who was who were participating and uh, they had pa- Pauline Oliveros uh, who's recently passed away but is a uh, incredible musician and writer and theorist about sound and founded the Deep Listening Institute mm-hmm. in uh, in Troy New York um, uh, so my piece was this thing called Sun Dialogues and as soon as I started thinking about weather, I immediately started thinking about solar weather.
2: Would you, that energy, would you, the sun will. the sun does not rise in the east and in the west. And sun god temple. Germany, because I
0: feel like it, when it comes to radio, solar weather is one of these invisible forces that has uh, major effects on all the broadcast infrastructure, uh, our power infrastructure, everything when things happen on the sun uh, a little while later things happen on the earth and some of those things involve you know blackouts of the power grid because the solar weather is so powerful
1: and at these clinics he would treat tuberculosis
2: smallpox
0: and so the solar weather is really magnetic bursts and these sort of like um, emissions they come in the form of radio among other, and magnetism uh, from the surface of the sun and radiate out. And when they hit us, they um, interact with our upper atmosphere. And since the upper atmosphere has a lot to do with radio propagation here on Earth, it's a big deal. Uh, a lot of it's like, you know, ham radio operators. They depend on bouncing signals off of the atmosphere to get around the curvature of the Earth. Mm-hmm. And that... The sort of mirror like qualities of that upper atmosphere are changing all the time. And the, the major thing that's changing them is their relationship to, to the sun and solar weather. And so I designed this idea, I, this project, where I would take um, stories about the sun, folklore, uh, contemporary ham radio uh, traffic, like people talking about propagation, which is what they call this, this sort of your ability to beam signals around the earth. Like weather,
1: um, weather reports for, for radio nerds. Exactly.
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah. And they, they read, like, a completely different language. They're, they're wonderful. Cool. Uh, and so in, in, in the research for this piece, I actually went and got my ham radio license. So I'm a, I'm a licensed mm-hmm. ham, uh, even though I, I don't have a transceiver, sadly. But one day, one day I will. Um, and so my idea was, how do I take the sun itself and use it to, to essentially modulate these human stories? these sort of threads of human interest in the sun and its power, how can I re essentially remix them by using data, actual hard objective data that's coming from the sun itself? It was
2: very dark. The sun stole back in a flash. An astrological wheel. To east at midnight in order to get ready. As he slept, the sun played him a trick. It was a mild winter's day. The bird skins of which the coat... In the sky at midday. I meant to be over there.
0: Bob K2DRH in grid square EN41 said,
2: Feeling the coat become tighter and tighter resulted in clashes with the moon.
0: So it's almost like the sun has a voice in in, in, uh, reconfiguring our own voices as we reflect on it. And so essentially this software that I wrote it is looks at a bunch of maps of sunspots, which uh, represent about, um, I think I did like 10 years of data. Mm-hmm. And it looks at these visual maps and it sonifies them in different ways. And it uses the sunspots as it sort of scans across the map. It uses each sunspot as an opportunity to have an edit between these parallel tracks of human stories. And so you hear in this thing, uh, one story at a time, but they're being intercut back and forth. So it's almost like channel hopping between different um, threads of these sort of monologues and stories, some of which are are found footage, some of which are uh, things that I found written and then uh, had myself or other people read. Um, And then in the background, there's also these vibraphone notes that are playing and the vibe notes are also caused by the sunspots themselves and they're sort of spatialized and turned into different pitches. And it's all based on reading the the data. So it's like a sonification of visual information that was recorded by sensors and satellites and things like that.
2: The concluding part of the narrative in which the sun and the moon are actually created. Of them. Long ago, before the sun, moon, and stars, when all was dark. Our planet, Earth. Was repeatedly visited by a man who took advantage of her. So it is connected with the sun. She decided that the next time he visited, she would mark his face with soot from her extinguished lamp. Possible without the energy from the sun. The Newsweek article says when you stimulate the pineal gland of the brain, When he left, she followed him to a large igloo where people were celebrating. Okay.
0: On March 11th, KH6 and Zero JK operating mobile on the tip of Maui.
2: Now just just go with me for a second, because I'm telling you, Jesus said, seek first the kingdom. He said, it's within you. Now he's telling you how to do it. Newsweek Magazine says the pineal gland secretes melatonin, which is a skin lightener. To the ancient people, the pineal gland was known as the single eye. They're all highly enlightened, and everyone went into the heaven. She and her brilliance became the sun. And
1: And again, this is a work called Sun Dialogues that is available on your website, zackpoff.com, and also was broadcast, I'm assuming, or often broadcast on WGXC the FM radio station linked to Wave Farm Is that right?
0: Yeah, yeah. It was, uh, they rebroadcasted a few times and it was broadcast on Kunstradio in Vienna since they were partner organizations for it. Um, And it's it's sort of part of my long-term set of goals with my work, which is to really explore uh, methods of authorship that engage more than just my own intuition. So, you know, rather than just saying like, I want this to go here because I think it sounds good, I'm kind of saying, what if I build a system that arranges itself according to principles that I design, but the details, you know, like the, the, the version of Sun Dialogues that you hear on my website is not the definitive version. It was the version that I recorded. Uh, but if I set up the software today and ran it again, it might end differently.
1: Yeah. Zach, Poff, um, I'd like to ask you kind of an open question because you were, you just alluded to working with um, a German radio station. Is that, that correct?
0: uh it's uh austrian
1: austrian uh i should know better and uh the austrian radio station was called again
0: uh it's it's called Kunstradio.
1: Kunstradio. and i wonder um i have a vague notion that uh that there's a long longer than possibly in the united states or at least like strangely deeper or at least different there's a long history of radio art in europe that is um certainly not well known I don't know about it. So, what right. what did working yeah. with this Austrian radio station making transmission art uh, teach you about the process? Well,
0: I mean, in this case specifically, uh, it was the kind of it was much more hands off because they uh, they were they were commissioning the work and there wasn't a lot of dialogue about how that was gonna you know the, I wasn't in touch with them throughout the process. Uh, but the wider point I think is really important. Um, and one of the things that always strikes me is how much radio art there still is and continues to be. So like one example, I guess, would be Radia, R-A-D-I-A. And Radia is a network of uh, radio art, I don't know what you'd call them. I, I, I hesitate to say radio art stations because they're not generally all people who have transmitters. But Radia is is a, a network of people around the world who agree to produce a certain amount of content that is for broadcast. And they do this, I can't remember, I think it's on a monthly schedule. And so if you go to Radia's website, you can see um, it's. it looks almost like a sort of podcasting website. You'll see an episode and it'll say, okay, this episode is called blah, 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 and it's by, and it'll be the name of some group. And that's a member of Radia. Mm-hmm. And they basically go in this round robin format where every like they agree in advance it's like okay january is going to be your month and february is going to be your month and they produce amazing stuff some of it's tied into um, art schools and and um, you know classes and things so sometimes you hear a selection of short works that are someone's final projects from like a radio art class that they uh, are covering in college and a lot of this stuff is is in europe um I I think possibly that uh, WGXC and wavefarm might be the only US members of Radia but
1: I'm not entirely sure. I'll have to look uh, into it. I that's a good one for me to figure out. Uh that's great. Well, you'll have to sh- um we'll definitely have links to Radia in the show notes of today's episode of Radio Survivor um and Zack you also I mean so you teach media art at Cooper Union Art School or Sound Art. Yes and i'm wondering if here in the conclusion of our conversation about this stuff <laughs> this this unique art form and media like if you could make a pitch for it um for understanding it cuz i think in general i mean i know if, like for instance if you hear it at all on your community radio station chances are you hear it at midnight or you right. hear it at, Absolutely. at 2 a.m. and so uh why should, so my, it, why should we listen at all?
0: <laughs> great question. Yeah. Um, I think the, the overall concern for me is, can listening lead to outcomes in your life that are um, sort of destabilizing in a good way? So uh, I think the, the culture tends to be visual. I mean, one example I'd give is whenever you are looking at things to listen to on a computer you are being led by your eyes. You know, time-based work can't be browsed, but visual work can. So this sort of shopping style interface that we have when you're scrolling through uh, episodes of a podcast or something on your phone or on a website, you're looking at little thumbnail pictures and you're looking at all these different visual and textual representations. Yeah. Um, and that's fine. I mean, it's a great way of organizing information. But you can light up an entirely different part of your brain by being led by your ears. You know, and and there's a lot that can be discovered, um, for instance, on doing something as simple as a sound walk. Uh, I was working with someone at a workshop recently named Andrea Williams, who does sound walks based on, partially based on the work of um, Pauline Oliveros. And one thing that she had us do is just sit, uh, uh, get up and go outside in pairs and one person wears a blindfold and the other person guides that person. So you essentially have a sighted person and a non-sighted person. And you just go on a very short walk that doesn't have to be visually interesting at all. And then you come back and you switch. And then the discussions that, that emerge from this are incredible. Your sense of distance, your sense of familiarity, all of these things are completely transformed when you spend a little more time paying attention to your ears And one of the things that Oliveros was very interested in is how the ear is essentially a a more inclusive way of thinking because you are involved in the sounds. You're not looking at them from the outside, you know? So a, a, a visual, a visual approach is one that has a clear me and a clear you, but a sound approach is one that in some cases blurs that distinction completely. And there's just an us and you're not quite sure, you know, who's making the sound and who's supposed to be the audience and who's supposed to be the performer or whatever, those distinctions are, are essentially inherited from visual culture and in an audit and an auditory culture that uh, does not necessarily uh, hold.
1: Yeah. The thing Um, that that makes me think of right off the bat is the um, sort of uh, nervous or anxiety based feeling I have when I'm uh, flipping through one of my social media feeds and, uh, that's an entirely visual medium, and if if I could, it it certainly seems more like a mindful way to interact with the world, uh, to spin a radio dial, even if uh, there's not that much art out there. I guess there's there's got to be another. I was you were saying that um, even when we look for things to listen to, we're using the visual based medium, and it also made me realize that there's this uh, we're on the cusp of a change. In that way, because on Raider Survivor a few months back, we we started talking about these smart speakers and how we're we're about to enter into a world where a lot more people are
2: uh,
1: accessing audio content in an audio only uh, format, in a user interface that is spoken and auditory only. And at the moment, it's pro- it's extremely limited to what Alexa knows what you want. So I, I don't know what would happen if you said, "Hey Alexa, play me some sound art."
0: Yeah, I'm I'm sure what would happen is the uh, whoever paid the most for the keywords sound and art <laughs> yeah. would then have to pay them a little bit. I mean, it's the the smart the smart speaker thing is just a excuse for worldwide commercial surveillance. So I, I think if if we were going to get anywhere positive with smart speakers, it would be because somebody made their own platform, right? that was not central and you know, but I, I mean, I, I, I hope it doesn't last. I don't know. I feel like it's going to be like 3d and VR. I've opened a can of worms. It's, it's it's the next big thing for like 20 years and it never quite is the big thing.
1: (laughs) I, I think that someone such as yourself, Zach Poff, uh, given the huge amount of resources and a few other clever people working with you can, um, can create the first good, smart speaker instead of allowing um these enormous weirdly influential mega corporations that are that that control all sorts of media and tech uh to build this technology for us Uh, because it's it's fun to talk to your computer
0: I agree. I'll do it right now. Alexa, buy Google stock.
1: Yeah, right. Um, Geez, well, that was a tangent that we went on. Well, Zach Poff, you are a media artist and an educator. You teach at Cooper Union Art School. You teach sound art there in Brooklyn. And your website, where all these projects that we've been talking about, is zachpoff.com. And, of course, links will be in the show notes at this episode of Radio Survivor. We're talking about transmission art, which is a, a way to open up the category for for sound art on the radio, and I want to take this last question opportunity to sort of just ask you, like, about um, what your students are excited about, because we are uh, we got a little cynical about it, but we are, you know, because of smart speakers being controlled by these giant corporations that have a terrifying profit motive. Uh, but we are in a in a in a moment now where sound is uh, being. Yeah, because of podcasting and and the growth of podcasting, um, I think more people are are using their ears in 2018 than they might have been to to access all sorts of new things. We'll say we'll say a decade ago. So, like, what are your students excited about when it comes to sound art?
0: I think the thing that they're most excited about really is the way that um, working in sound can allow you to uh, connect with other people using relatively abstract ideas like um, texture and tension and uh, uh, spectrum and timbre. Because since the world is full of music listeners, their ears are already trained to, to, to understand and accept this sort of like very basic... Um, formal qualities of sound you know, everyone can kind of understand music uh everyone's given the the cultural permission to to talk about music in those terms um, and for people who are primarily visual artists they have a very a refined vocabulary for visual things but the general public actually doesn't you know there's no visual music uh except for like the you know visualizer and itunes or something there's no pop culture version of visual music Um, And so for a lot of my students, I think a very exciting thing is that they know that the people who will be listening to the things that they're making, they already can appreciate a a tempo that changes. They already can appreciate a voice that moves from a dry sound to a more reverberant sound and what that might come with in terms of ideas and associations. Um, Whereas when you're working in a visual medium, Uh, it's very hard to get people in a room looking at a painting or a drawing and thinking about line and form and color. You need to be trained, essentially, for that to to work out. Uh, But in sound work, a lot of times you can catch someone off guard. You can use the mental tools that have already been refined by years of listening to music that every person out there pretty much has. And you can kind of steer that ship towards something a little more far out, a little more critical, a little more... Um, you know, something that that pries the edges up a little bit on on the, the status quo. So that's what I'd say.
1: Zach Poff, thank you so much for joining us today on Radio Survivor. I really enjoyed talking about sound art.
0: I appreciate it.
1: Cool, thank you. Uh, is there like now? I just want to hear things that you're that you guys <laughs> make. Is that is that something that you guys? Uh, is there a place where things are published?
0: You know. <sighs> there isn't it's one of those things I keep wanting to do uh, like just to have like a tumbler or something with people's work on it yeah Uh, it it tends a lot of the stuff they're making is actually very site specific yeah of course so you know they'll do like a sound walk or something and it just doesn't even work when you play it in other domains
1: I don't want to take up too much more of your time but I do want to uh, can you spell the name of that Australian radio station for me please
0: yes yes it's just K U N S T like Kunst Mm -hmm. is in German for art and then radio
1: R-A-D-I-O. Got it. Cool. And then what else we got? We got radia R-A-D-I-A. Yes. We got, um, soundtent.org from the international dawn chorus. We got you. Um, I wanted to tell you about this other guy that, uh, his name is Felix Bloom. Have you ever stumbled on the work of Felix Bloom? I think I have. Yeah.
0: Uh, what is it? Uh, jog my memory. I feel like I've I've seen this he stuff.
1: He's insanely talented at uh, using good microphones. And he he's a French. He's French. He's living and traveling all over South America, but also around the world. And he posts incredibly luxuriously long, well-recorded sounds of amazing things. And then puts them on the internet uh, completely... In the public domain.
0: Oh, that's awesome! Uh, re- I'm, I'm looking at his website right now. Yeah, he's a cool guy. <laughs> you, ma- you made my day.
1: Yeah, he's and like I, so I interviewed him. Okay, I'm recording right now. Perfect. To start off this series of oh my gosh, I need to talk about sound art more often on Radio Survivor because we get a little bit wonky. Um, I talked to him, but he refused to talk to me in in, uh, in English. Um, so I brought a oh, friend no. over, a, 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 you know, a friend of a friend who's a Colombian sound nerd. So he got very excited because he'd also, like, been living his life without thinking about how much he loved, you know, the things that come in his headphones. Mostly metal. <laughs> He's mostly <laughs> a, a metal nerd <laughs> from Colombia. Uh, no conozco, pero uh, sí si se Sepultura. <laughs> and uh, so they had a long conversation. I'm eavesdropping with my terrible spanish trying to follow along i had a list of questions for him and uh i have that interview and i'm gonna get it out sooner or later but the things that felix i can't remember what you you said oh it's the when you were talking about sound walks i was thinking about the work of felix bloom and how much i like it thinking about the work of Spielberg and how much I like it. thinking about the work of felix bloom and how much i like it um he doesn't move around but i really he did this thing that makes me so happy that i can't wait to 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 have him talking about it cut together with the sound of what he recorded where he put um he put the sound of every uh crosswalk uh for the deaf sound um he put the sound of every uh crosswalk uh for the deaf sound.
0: Oh, that's a great idea. From, Those things are amazing. Yeah,
1: from all over the planet because he's, you know, he travels. And so like uh it's really funny to hear the different the different uh ones, you know, Mexico City, Belgium, blah blah blah. Oh, you know, that made me happy. And then just other weird stuff. He's in the city and he records the city. He's, he's up on the top of a mountain. He records the top of the mountain. And uh, he clearly knows how to use a microphone. I think his day job is being the sound guy for documentaries. So he's, oh, that makes sense. So he's just like, uh, you know, in his downtime, he's posting this stuff to the internet. And it's all... Yeah, and yeah it's a resource. I mean, you're, you guys can use it, I'm sure, for all sorts
2: of that's
0: things. That's so cool. Yeah, it's funny. I'm scrolling through his list of photos and stuff, and I recognize some of these... Uh, because he, he did, um, he did an album on a, like a free web label called Sonic Terrain. Hmm. And that's where I've found his work before. Oh,
1: cool. I don't know about Sonic Terrain. I'm glad yeah, I brought him up. They're great. So that I could look at that after you and I are off the internet. Um, yeah, I found him because of freesound.org. So I was, oh, yeah. last year I was doing a lot of, uh, I was making my own radio drama work and I dug in deep into free sound, and every, you know, as soon as I realized that this one guy was posting 80% of what was useful to me and then <laughs> posting it all in the public domain, you know, cause just long takes, really long takes of one thing with nobody, you know, moving the microphone or talking unless it's of people talking.
0: That's hard to get to yeah. my
1: God. And it's there's So, and it's just so many different things, just cows and, birds and waves and wind oh yeah his favorite his the thing he said in Spanish that I still have to get translated so that I can use it was how much he loves recording wind because it doesn't because it doesn't exist the sound of wind is the sound of the air hitting objects
0: Yeah, that's so funny because students ask me about wind all the time, and, and I have to explain to them that there is no sound of wind. You know, there's sound of wind through wires, sound of wind through fabric, sound of wind against your ears. Yeah. But it's it's just, it has no voice of its own.
1: Yeah, so he's, there's some beautiful wind recordings of, you know, the top of some mountain in Chile. There's some. There's one that I really like that I use a lot. Oh god! And there's, there's one that I used overused in one of the, the one of the dumb podcasts I was making that was supposed to be like a horror genre, and he had gone to a windmill, like a defunct windmill in Arizona, and so the sound of that thing uh, was just beautiful. well <laughs> uh zach poff thank you so much uh you should always um i don't know are you blogging how do i learn more about stuff that you know about so i can know about it
0: i try to put everything on my website okay i don't really do social media yeah uh but whenever something interesting comes along i'll i'll update it on the website That's and i have an rss feed if anyone still uses rss Aww, or anything. in I used the days to- of twitter
1: yeah. I, I used to know what an RSS feed was before <laughs> before Google Reader forced me to abandon yep. it and betrayed me. Well, uh, it was really nice to meet you. Thank you so much for taking the time today.
0: Yeah, man. Thank you. Yeah. Have a good one. You too.
1: Links to the pieces we discussed today with media artist, educator, and maker of things, Zach Poff on his website. Zachpoff.com. You can also find those links as well as the work of Felix Bloom, who we just discussed there in the final 10 minutes of the program, on the show notes at Radiosurvivor.com. This is episode number 136. And like I said, I recorded a full hour long interview with the sound artist Felix Bloom. All in Spanish, a language I can barely speak. And that was back in November of 2017. I need to have that audio translated and transcribed so I can create an English-language version of that material for you. And I'm hoping to do that as soon as possible. Uh, to support what we do at Radio Survivor and to find out more, you can go to radiosurvivor.com slash support. You can also dig into our archives for more nerding out on the margins of the American media landscape. My name is Eric Klein. Thanks for listening to Radio Survivor. Vaina, allá arriba y arriba. Arriba,
2: arriba, arriba allá arriba y allá arriba y arriba yo no soy marinero no no soy marinero soy capitán soy capitán soy capitán para subir al cielo para subir al cielo se necesita una escalera grande una escalera grande yo subo y subo y subo y subo allá arriba allá arriba allá arriba, allá arriba. Yo no soy que va a viviré